Welcome to the Chronic Spoonful podcast, where we discuss real life with real chronic illness. Each week, we'll cover an aspect of real life spoony living and what that can mean for different chronic illnesses. We hope this will be a place you can go for updated spoony info and where you'll find humor because, you know, we're a little crazy, important information, and community. As a disclaimer, we just want to remind you that, yes, we'll be talking about chronic illness and health information, but we are not your doctor. Everyone's chronic illness is different, and we are absolutely not MDs, so we are not qualified to give you medical advice. We're going to tell you unequivocally to discuss anything we talk about on this podcast with your doctor. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Chronic Chronic Spoonful podcast, where we talk about real life with real chronic illnesses. And today, we are excited to welcome our guest, Nikki. She has hypermobility Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. She's kind of like my twin, whatever. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit with her today about how she was diagnosed and her experiences since her diagnosis, since it's it's probably a question a lot of you have been asking. Actually, I know it's a question a lot of you have been asking lately. So um, we're just going to kind of get into it. Welcome, Nikki. Welcome. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to talk with y'all. Oh, we're excited to have you. So um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, how you were diagnosed with EDS and. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, it's, there's so many things that you can pick up on looking backwards, you know, at the time. Um, I mean, I was always a kid with, they always said I had two left feet that I should be wrapped up in bubble wrap, um, because a constant accident prone and that's, you know, sort of some of the, the subluxations and the dislocations and injuries and, you know, just throughout my childhood, um, and just the widespread pain, you know, the muscles, everything, um, you know, it, but I am a, can't tell because it's a podcast, uh, but I am short. I am five feet tall, just about, it's a little under, but I say five feet. Um, and I, I'm a bigger girl. I'm about 200 pounds. Um, and I don't have any shame about that. Some of it's the medication I'm on. Some of it's, I like pizza, whatever. Um, all. You know, but as a bigger person, I think a lot of times people will say it's your weight. You know, you need to lose weight and you'll Agreed. They always say that to me too. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, that's, you know, we, I remember going to so many doctors and I also just don't have a very good immune system. I would have ear infections and strep throat. And, you know, I, it was weird to me, the other kids who were like, oh, I don't, I only go to the doctor, like maybe once a year. And I'm like, oh, I'm on a first name basis with my dude. Like (laughs) just between all the injuries and, and the susceptibility and, you know, all sorts of stuff that was happening, um, along with like crazy flexibility without working towards it. Um, I was, I'm, I don't have an athletic piece of me. I have no sports gym, <laughs> terrible, you know, my I last one in and for the mile kind of thing. Um, you know, ooh. I'm raising my hand really high. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I had the, the, in my elementary school, I had the, the record for the sit and reach test, you know, where you had, you kind of go and cause my spine is super hypermobile. I can go wow. so far. Um, you know, so it was this weird thing of like flexibility, or I remember when I was little, um, being able to do splits and, you know, touching my feet to my head and it like not even trying, um, you know, whereas there were other girls who were like in gymnastics or different things. They're like, how can you just do that? I'm like, how come you can't, 
Because <laughs> we didn't exactly. understand back then. Yeah. So I had no body. idea. Yeah. But the pain sort of got worse and worse. And then I would say it really started to hit about 2010. Um, I had a series of injuries where just one injury on top of another, on top of another, things just stepping off a bus. I had a terrible high ankle sprain that did not heal correctly. So now I have nerve damage in that ankle. And then a couple months later, I damaged the other one getting off a bus. Um, it was actually a worse injury, but it was treated better. But, you know, just the things like my healing was just not very good and just continued issues. Um, and just being told, you know, by doctors, there's nothing more we can do for you. Yes. Given you the treatment, you've had physical therapy thousand times. You've, you know, you're on this medication, you're on that. There's nothing more we can do. What do you want from us? It's the gaslighting that always, always gets to me. It's the, you know, we don't actually want to look beyond the sprain itself or the, or your weight itself. It's the, but, or maybe it's just your anxiety, or maybe it's just, you know, maybe you just have an infection, maybe, you know, and they just, no one wants to dive in deep and, or put all the pieces together. Right. And I think with the, you know, the hypermobility, um, it wasn't until after the ankle injury where I had, I still have crazy flexibility in my ankles, um, but it was reduced and I had noticed it. And then the PT was like, oh yeah, you do. Your ankles are kind of, you know, on the extreme end. Huh, that's funny. But they never said the word hypermobility. They never said that that could cause pain. They could never, you know, nobody ever assessed it at all. Oh, wow. um, also though, sometimes when you're hypermobile and you get an injury and then you end up stiff, Yes. You notice that it's stiff and it's not moving like it was, but then you'll talk to a doctor and they're like, no, you have perfectly normal mobility. And it's like, okay, but you understand that I didn't have normal mobility before. So this means it's stiff. So I think yeah. I just had a series of things. Next was, um, I had veins tendonitis in my hand. Um, it's the tendon that connects the thumb. To yes. the wrist. Um, insane pain. And they make you go through all the steps, physical therapy, splinting, steroid injections, ice, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I had to go through, they're like, oh yeah, you'll never, you won't need surgery. Most, you know, it's so, it's so rare. Someone will need surgery. Well, guess who needed surgery? Mm -hmm. You needed surgery, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then doing, you know, tons of rehab afterwards. And it was my dominant hand. I only have oh, about wow. 80% strength. I don't have oh. a really bad grip strength. Um, writing is super hard by hand. Um, I can barely, you know, my pen, my penmanship is kind of gross. Um, <laughs> but you know, so, so it was like the ankle injuries that didn't heal and then I'm walking funny. So it was throwing my hips out and then, um, the decor veins tendonitis and having to go through the surgery and, you know, having not being able to use my dominant hand for months. Um, wow. funny story. I don't know your, uh, as much of your audience will appreciate, um, but it was a big triumph when I could like clasp my own bra behind my back. Like I bet. I was like, holy crap, I could do it finally. I don't when I it. when I recently passed out and sprained my wrist and I couldn't do it. Yeah. What when you finally can do that again? Oh my gosh, it's like the but heavens it's opened up. <laughs> was amazing. Um I mean now I I'm lazy and don't feel like reaching back there. So I get ones that don't have class. <laughs> I just put it on <laughs> sports bra. I'm like that's it. I'm done. I so much like easier with chronic illness relate to just yeah. getting yes. a sports bra. So and much easier. Any kind of shortcuts you can make, you know? Yeah. Well, um, also it's not as irritating to the skin or the shoulders where it pulls. They don't dig in as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, mean, so. I, I see a lot of 
um, specialized uh, undergarment companies now that are making more inclusive undergarments for, you know, both on, you know, under pants and, and bras and whatever, just to help support people in different situations. So it's starting to get noticed that maybe always clasping in the back or being able to bend down and pull up your underwear isn't for everybody. Exactly. And that's okay. And, you know, I know sometimes um, the, the not yet disabled, as I call them, uh, (laughs) you know, they, sometimes you see people make fun of different like products that are made to accommodate and to help people. And that's, you know, oh gosh, it just, I'm like, you're lucky you don't need that. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's there for a reason. And just because you might not understand it, it's, it's anyway. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. Yeah. I, there different, totally. yeah. There are different things I still use. Cause I don't have very good dexterity in my hands. Um, because things have just, the fingers have dislocated so many times and things oh, that wow. just not, it's not good. Um, oh, yeah. so or like I see people buying the stuff for those things, like the the rings you can that's get, to the finger stabilizers, and they think, oh my gosh, it's such a cool ring. And I'm like, you know what that's really for, right? It's, you know, and they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, well, it's for people whose fingers dislocate all the time and it helps them hold their joints in place. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they're I, making them so beautiful that you can't really tell they're not jewelry anymore. So that's a good thing. It's something I'm looking into. Um, it's hard because I have, I have carpal tunnel both oh. sides and- yeah. Um, I've had Me the too. surgery, but the surgery didn't resolve it all the way. It helped oh. a little bit, um, but I still have it in my right. But then I also have the veins tendonitis that I'm trying not to have surgery. Um, so the, the brace for the carpal tunnel aggravates the thumb. So yes. I can't wait. Like, it's like, there's not enough to, <laughs> to I, address yeah. all of the issues. Um, because so. it, everybody's body, especially with, with things like EDS and actually with lupus too, everybody's body reacts to the illness in a little bit of a different way. And so when you, you sometimes have those things where the, those symptoms aggravate each other when you try to correct them. And, uh, you know, like for me with the pots, I have really low blood pressure, not, you know, but the medicines to treat a lot of the medicines to treat the pots lower your blood pressure. So I'm like, I can't take those. So then I take salt pills, which brings up a whole other slew of things. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It really is. You're constantly looking at. I also, um, I have uh, iron overload. (laughs) My body doesn't process iron. Oh, wow. Um, And it actually like stores in my organs. Mm. (laughs) So we found it through just routine blood work where my ferritin level was super high. Um, But what, what had actually happened was I was anemic. So they prescribe you iron pills, but then my body can't process iron. So it caused the iron overload and the, the, the treatment for iron overload is bloodletting and the complication from bloodletting is anemia. anemia. Yes. So I'm in this constant trying to balance of not having too much of the iron, but then not getting into the anemia territory. So it's like, it's a constant back and forth. That's That's gotta be rough. Yeah. Wow. And actually what I've noticed, I I haven't seen too many people with Ehlers-Danlos talk about it, but I'm an incredibly difficult stick like to get for an IV. Um, I can't donate blood. I'd love to, um, but they can never find my veins. They like roll and they're, it it doesn't matter if I'm super hydrated or not. Um, So I've been told that that's part of, because of the collagen like deficiency and, and it, 
you know, so that sucks. Um, yeah. Never have to have blood work. They're always like, oh, I can do it. No problem. I'm like, no, I'm a really difficult stick. Like, please use the butterfly needle. You know, you might have to go in my hand instead of my arm, you know, and they're, they're always like, oh no, we got it. And then they try and they fail. And then they yeah. bring in the other one and they bring in the, you know, last time I had to do uh, it, they, they had five different people. I felt like a freaking pink. And then, oh, and then I bet you did. Bruised because we also bruise more easily. Yes. So when they're I was you under time. down both arms no. and the back oh, of my hands. Geez. It looked like I'd been in like a crazy fight like oh. yeah, so many different colors. I didn't know your skin could turn so many colors. <laughs> I bet. You know, so surprise in the rainbow. <laughs> even more routine stuff, much less an IV is very difficult. And I've had, I think eight surgeries at this point. Oh, oh wow. Little tunnel, which is the nerve in the elbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think like I used to be a more difficult stick. I think since, I, I don't know, it, it's funny because some things got worse as I got older mm-hmm. and I, but I ended up actually getting stiffer, which is common with EDS patients yes. because you've, you've done so much to your muscles and tendons that you can develop some really bad arthritis as yeah. you get older. And since I've started developing that, I'm an easier stick than what I used to be when I was younger. So I'm like, well, it, can I count that as a positive? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Strength space. Absolutely. <laughs> you can stick me with needles much easier, but I've also had some really good phlebotomists too. But yeah, I find oh, that they're finding my veins them. easier, even though you can, you know, see most of my veins oh, yeah. common in EDS. I'm you're clear like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, that's always interesting when you're younger that's too. People are like, why can I see all your veins? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, my skin, I mean, that I will say an upside to EDS. I mean, I have the softest skin and I never use moisturizer. Like it is velvet. <laughs> and I just thought that was you now because I live in a very dry environment. And one of the problems I have is I never seem to get enough water. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can drink 90 ounces of water a day and I'm always thirsty. Always. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I moved to Arizona because um, I was uh, originally up in um, New England. Okay. Uh, but those winters were just killing me. I, oh, the, okay. the cold, all of my muscles would contract. I could barely move. It was so. Painful. Oh, that's awful. Um, yeah. It's, it's so, funny yeah. because I think people don't understand that also temperature regulation is an issue in a lot of people with chronic illness too. And for me, it's, if it's really hot, I'm just done. And if it's really cold, I do the same thing. The muscles all tense up and you just, you can't, it, you do so much damage to yourself when you're like that and you can't warm up. Like I've sat next to fires and fireplaces and can't get my body to stop. So it's, yeah, it, it, it does being really, really careful about yeah. it. And, yeah. um, so tell us how long did it take you to get okay. diagnosed and what, like what doctors were you seeing? Sure. What processes were you going through? And yeah. So I would say from like, you know, 2010, I had the ankle sprains and then Jaquarian tendonitis and, and then um, I started having terrible, terrible pain in my back, um, mm-hmm. which was dismissed by multiple people as just a muscle sprain, just a spasm, just a this, just a that. Um, and I ended up having an emergency spine surgery oh. um, because I ended up started getting tingling and, com- and going numb on one side of my body. So I wow. go to the ER um, and I had an MRI and it showed two discs were pressing on my spinal cord and needed oh to come God. out. 
Yeah. So they had not only like herniated, but they had actually like sequestered, which is when they go actually into the spinal canal and like they were depressed, like they were causing damage. Wow. Um, so they had a 10 hour spinal surgery in 2016, which has led to more disability. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they, so at 28, they told me I had degenerative disc disease, severe osteoarthritis, the spine, bone spurs, all this stuff, um, which now they're thinking was accelerated by all of that hypermobility when I was younger and all the moving and twisting and range of motion that should not have occurred. Right. Um, so this is why I, I feel like not telling people about some of these chronic illnesses early on and teaching the public about them, because some people are like, look, my child is so flexible, yeah. you know, and they'll, they'll have their kids doing like all sorts of party tricks. splits and all party tricks and oh my gosh. And not realizing that that actually for a person with EDS causes damage, not maybe right then, but way right. down the road, all the party tricks you were doing, all the stuff you were doing, you pay for later. Yeah. So after, after the spine surgery, I was in a hard collar for three months. Couldn't move my neck. It was terrifying. Actually. Um, I lost a lot. I had to stop work. I couldn't, I couldn't really take care of myself. It was really, really tough. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I probably some medical PTSD, which is a whole other deal. Mm, um, yeah. How I was treated in the hospital and just some of the things that happened and, oh. um, cause part of, they go in through the front for, yeah. and mm -hmm. then they have to move the esophagus and the trachea out of the way. So then you can't speak, you can't really swallow very mm -hmm. well afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so I was alone in a hospital bed and they said, Oh, just press this call button. If you need more medication or you need something, I press it. And the, the nurses at the station are like, Oh, how can we help you? And I can't talk. Oh. I, can't I can barely whisper. And it's yeah. So that's just one piece, that's horrible. Um, but I'm actually working on it. I, so I'm a, a therapist myself and that's a whole other story. Um, but I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing some EMDR for like medical PTSD. Oh, good. So it's been, it's been really interesting so far. Um, yeah. But so the whole thing with the spine happened. Um, and then I, you know, you go to all the different specialists. And I think part of the reason it took me so long to get diagnosed was that nobody was looking at the whole picture. Yes. Um, you know, I had the specialist, I had the GI specialist, I had the cardiologist, I had the orthopedist, I had, you know, your primary care is the person mm -hmm. that they tell you should be managing everything, but they have no idea what's going on. Exactly. Um, and, and they're telling me, I just need to lose weight and stop being so anxious all the time. Um, that's what I was told. I was, I was actually fired from two different PCP offices because they, I kept going saying something is wrong. I am in pain. There is something more systemic. And they're like, well, we did our XYZ tests and everything came back normal. So what do you want? And because I was so insistent, they actually, I got fired from places because they were like, well, we don't think this is working out. This is not a fit. You're, you're asking for more treatment. There is no more treatment. There is no, you don't have, you know, what do you want? You've done your physical therapy. You've done this. Like, what are you expecting? Um, wow. So I've had multiple, yeah, multiple different places. And I still do. I have, but um part of what, how I actually got a diagnosis was I was finally referred to a different rheumatologist who looked at me, you know, listened and everything. And then I think I was like leaning weird or like, cause my elbows are super hyper, hyper extend crazy. And she's like, she was looking at me and she's like, Hmm. And she, she did the, the Biden score test on me. Yeah. Mm. So that was 2019. So it was like nine years. 
It's not even wow. time. That's wow. a long time to go with all these symptoms yeah. and no one putting it. They have no together. diagnosis. No one putting it together. Everyone telling you it's in your head. You're just not trying hard enough. You're just not doing enough of the physical. Therapy. That's the worst. You're just not. You know, you you're you're the problem. Yep. Yeah. I and yep. I think that's why Nicole and I talk a lot about learning to fire your doctors yes. that aren't working for you. Like 100%. And fire is a harsh word. You just go see a different doctor and it, you know, with insurance, it's very difficult to do sometimes. And it puts the burden on us, especially if you don't have, um, if you have like an HMO or something and it's always referrals or Medicaid, you know, if or you're on public aid or something, it's very yeah. difficult. Right. But you know, that's why I will only get a PPO yeah. as long as I'm privileged enough to afford it because I need to just, if I want to go see a doctor, I go see a doctor as long as they're in network, I'm fine. And, but I'm privileged enough to afford that PPO. And, you know, I would say for anyone who suspects a chronic illness, if they can't afford to go the PPO option to do it, because it gives you more freedom to explore your illness with doctors that will actually work with you. But not everyone has that privilege, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's I've, very- I've had it and lost it in different different parts of my life. Um, I'm very very fortunate, and I will put it out there that my my partner is um, very successful uh, with uh, software engineering and t- technology. Oh, nice! Um, so with that income, we have been able to pay um, for for treatment and to pay for things and. Um, have a PPO. I mean, we pay fifteen hundred dollars a month. Oh for wow! For the two of us. Wow. Um, that's and then there's you know the two grand deductible and then there's the of nine grand out of pocket uh-huh. and all of the copays and the coinsurance twenty percent of everything that you have to pay. Um, it's a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. actually, I mean, honestly, all the money I make goes to supporting me medically. Yes, yeah. medical bills. Yeah, it's all medical bills. Um, you know, make I. I do go for a massage, you know, twice a month. As you should. That's my nice, that's my nice. Actually, that's absolutely. Covered, but it should be covered. Gosh, darn it. It's the only thing that helps. All right. that actually helps is not covered. My no. shower chair, not covered. Not my covered. walker, not covered. Not covered. My transport chair, not covered. Like um, my medical braces I'm fighting now because they, they want me to get um, custom leg braces so my knees don't go backwards because oh, I'm having yeah. a lot of trouble um, walking. Um, with a lot of pain. And so they need these custom braces, but the insurance is like, no, you can get the off the shelf ones, but the shape of my of leg course. is more of like an hourglass. Like I've got a decent thigh and then the knee is tiny. And then I've got a decent calf and off the shelf braces are straight up and down. They They're not going to work. You need they something customized. So it's this whole bananas and paying the 20% of that. I mean, it's going to be at least 600 bucks. Oh yeah. Um, out of pocket and, you know, and this and there. So it's a lot to manage. It's very expensive. And, you know, so this one rheumatologist, she did the bite and score. I, ha- I do a seven out of nine because of my problems with my hands. I can't do the thumb to the. But according to the bite and scale, it, it's not, can you do it right now? But have you ever yeah. been able to do it? Cause I can't either because of the arthritis anymore. But I used to sit there in class and I'd be like pushing my thumbs back, touching my yeah, and the all the how many times I dislocated my fingers just like um like pressing the button on the elevator. Oh wow. Because like the top part moves more than it should. So and I had no idea. So I'm just like bang. (laughs) Well, and yeah, and that's the thing. People like people don't understand with with Ehlers Danlos, like the subluxations and the dislocations, sometimes they really don't hurt that much. It just kind of pops out and pops back in. 
Yeah. yeah, I do an assessment when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, all right, what is traveled during the night? What do yeah. I need to put back into place? Or you sleep in that re- like a really weird position. Like I look like a pretzel when I sleep. I have like oh. one arm twisted behind my back and others like twisted it feels, here. It feels comfortable. You're like, oh. it, it's, like <laughs> it's like what the mon- I, I was watching Stranger Things and the mon- there's the new monster that pulls people out and like breaks all their bones and twists them. And I'm like, that kind of looks like me when I'm laying in bed at night. <laughs> <laughs> I think every person with Ehlers-Danlos relates to this demon guy doing this to people. Maybe that's what our problem is. Yeah, it's a demon. I, swear, I, I watch it and I, like, <laughs> I feel all of that. Why are they yeah. complaining about it being painful? I don't understand. That's how I normally go. <laughs> yeah, there's all, I mean, I have to be really, I mean, you understand. I have to be really careful kind of how I move, how I'm oh, sure. supported. Because if I just do what feels natural, I'm all over the place. Yes. Um, and the proprioception issue where you're just, I'm still walking into everything. Mm-hmm. I still like, I'm like, guys, I promise I really did walk into a door. No one's abusing me. I really did just walk into the door. My arms are always, I've always got bruises and stuff from hitting into things or I have an Apple watch. The face is all scratched up because it constantly hits into walls or things, or I don't realize I'm as close as I am to something or, you know, I've tripped going up and downstairs multiple times. Or when Um, you're decorating your house, you're like, "Mm, I can't put that glass word there because I know I'm going to bump into this. We're going to move it over here. Or you get like the museum stuff. And it's all because not because you worried about like toddlers or children, you're worried about yourself. Yeah, it's. It's, Nikki, was that rheumatologist? Was she the one who diagnosed you? So she's so she diagnosed me with the lovely misnomer of benign joint hypermobility. Cells. Ah, okay. Um, so that was in 2019. Um, I started on Lyrica because I had been on gabapentin and it just not it just didn't work for me. Lyrica it didn't work for me either, except putting on like 40 pounds. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the combo of the Lyrica and Cymbalta, I gained like 50 pounds. Um mm-hmm. And I, I have a very strict diet and I can't lose weight. Yep. I eat about under a thousand calories a day. Oh and, God. um, I, it's so frustrating. Um, that's the exercise I can do is some swim. I have some exercises and things I can do in the water that are, that are decent. Um, it's harder for me to get any sort of other exercise when I've tried, you know, when I tried to do the bike, I dislocated my hip, um, oh, wow. know, different stretches and things have been really, really difficult, but I can't lose. And, and some doctors tell you not to do certain things. Yes. Like I'm not allowed to do anything, but like Tai Chi and maybe water aerobics or swimming. And that's basically it. Yeah. California, where am I going to like, we have a community pool. No one's going to let me sit there in the community pool and do water aerobics with them. So, and there's like kids everywhere. So it makes it, it, it like when, when you have those exercise restrictions, yeah, it can be very frustrating when you're like, I am because also that weight puts more pressure on your joints. Yeah. <laughs> it's so you're it stuck does. in this vicious, again, vicious cycles of yeah. I can't do the things I want to do to help me lose the weight. The weight gain is from the medicine and it's going to take all those things to do. And, and I think a lot of people with chronic illness struggle with that a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of trade-offs. You know, I do think yeah. my medication. Um, I did notice this, a great decrease in nerve pain and nerve shocks. I still have some, but not like I was before. Oh, um, I think it helps certain things. I'm able to. I, I want to go back to you saying nerve shocks. So I don't think people realize that that can actually also be a, a comorbidity of 
the illness because I get them, I get them in my tongue, which is really weird feeling, but we do get these nerve shocks almost like in why we also get misdiagnosis fibromyalgia or sometimes we have fibromyalgia and EDS, but I I think people don't know that that can also be a symptom. Yeah. So I have the nerve pain and then just sensitivity, like Mm-hmm. unfortunately part of the exam for fibro is they press on all those tender points yes, and right. for me it's really tough because anyone pressing on any part of my skin I'm like that hurts they're like oh how do, does this hurt does that hurt does that hurt and I'm like yes that all is very uncomfortable I don't know what you want me to say like it's yeah it's tough. I'm all over uncomfortable yeah. like my body sucks <laughs> yeah, which makes that diagnosis sometimes even more difficult I think you know, it, and that's not just for EDS, that's for any chronic illness. It's hard because so many illnesses have a lot of the same symptoms and narrowing it down. Like mm-hmm. Nicole, your doctor was like, well, it could be lupus. It couldn't. Well, I saw it? multiple doctors before. Yeah. And lupus is considered the great imitator. Yes. So it's very, 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 it's, I think it's six years before anyone usually gets a correct diagnosis, an yeah, average because- of four to six. Yeah, but they, but the medicines for each of the diagnoses that they were concerned you might have, ha- like you couldn't, like one would have killed you. Mm-hmm. One could have, she said, like my, all my organs could have shut down. So we said no. And, to, and so it was a lot of waiting. Yeah, it was a lot of waiting. Yeah. It's very so frustrating. And error and it is. If anything from this whole experience, I have recognized and reminded myself that medical professionals are, are at the end of the day, people. Yes. They are fallible. They can make mistakes. They can Absolutely. make diagnoses. They can misunderstand. Um, and the way that our, our healthcare system is pressured where you get maybe 15, 20 minutes if you're if lucky. You're lucky. If, you're yeah. lucky. if you're lucky. And that they have not done it. They have not had the opportunity to do any review before they walk in that room, um, you know, and talk to you. And it's, it's not enough at all. No, so, it's not. You know, I had, so the rheumatologist diagnosed me. I started on medications. There was some improvement, but not much. I've had multiple other surgeries and things since then. Um, And then, you know, with um, some of the economic changes, uh, we ended up being able to make a nice profit on our house up in New Hampshire and move to Arizona and um, to get away from the winters. Um, We have a plan for the summers. Um, It's a, it's, it's a little complicated, but I, it overall, it is better. Um, but I, can I, I lived in Arizona, so I know exactly what you're talking about. There is, there is a huge difference in, in is that climate, um, without the humidity, without the constant changes in weather. Like I always knew in Arizona exactly when, a, when like a monsoon was showing up or a haboob, which is a dust storm was yes. going to come in because I, <laughs> I was like a 90 year old arthritic. I could feel it in my bones. <laughs> I could feel it coming, but it was so much more rare than when I like lived in Chicago and the weather changes five times a day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's it, not perfect by any means, but no. it's, it's been better. Good. Um, and then, you know, but I'm continuing to have issues like the deterioration in my legs, trouble walking, not as stable. Um, a lot of issues with, uh, where I had the fusion in my neck and my spine issues above and below. Um, I have spent probably about 10 grand on chiropractors that really didn't do anything. Mm. Um, continued to try to, you know, promise results. And then we're increasingly frustrated that I was not getting any better. Um, and then, so there is a um, EDS specialist. He's a neurologist in Phoenix. 
Um, there is some controversy because he stopped taking insurance and he is private pay only. I tried every other thing I could possibly think of and then was like, you know what? I'll shell out the money and see this guy. Um, and so it was two grand for an wow. initial hire. But he did spend two hours with me and my partner. Oh, good. For my entire history. It was the first time, this just happened a couple months ago. This is the first time that a provider has actually sat down and reviewed my entire record, all of my results, blood testing, wow. imaging, all of that stuff. Um, and really looked at since I was a kid to now, what has happened, how things have progressed, um, you know, did the bite and score again, I had the same score, you know, yeah. um, but also looked at, you know, things like having the high narrow palate yes. um, in your, in your mouth. Um, my palate was so narrow. Um, I got a Jolly Rancher stuck up there. Oh, wow. I, no, I've and, done that. <laughs> so I had, to, I got the palate expander when I was a kid. My mom oh, actually went into debt. I have a single mom, shout out to mom. Um, she went, she went into debt to get the palate expander and for me to get braces oh, um, wow. because it was so narrow and I was, the, the crowding was so terrible. Um, there was no room for the teeth. Like I had my wisdom teeth taken out. They were all impacted. There was no room. In I'm it sure. Wow. So stuff like that, that you wouldn't even think of as, as EDS stuff. Or like, um, I is. choke on my own saliva all the time. Oh yeah. That's mm -hmm. another common thing with people with EDS. We yeah. are like, we don't swallow properly. So yeah, we, all of a sudden I'll start coughing. People are like, are you okay? Like I cough, like I choked on water. Yeah. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just choked on my own saliva. And they look at me like I'm crazy, but I know other EDS patients have this problem. Happens really often. And it's something, it's one of those things where like, you, you just figure everybody else deals with it. Yeah. And then you try to explain it to someone and they're like, what? Yes. <laughs> you know, are there people are like, oh, are you in pain today? Just the normal amount. Well, the normal amount of pain is zero. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm Irish. I love that one. I love that I've one. Never, I've never been below a three. Like, oh, I don't, I, don't I, I look back and I'm like, I think a lot of times I just ignored pain, but oh, yeah. I've never not had some sort of pain going on or something wrong with my body. It's just um, that I learned yeah. to... I learned to gaslight myself and that was it. Yeah, but I've, like I've when doctors ask you pain it. scales, that's, I, I think I bent on this almost every episode, but I hate pain scales. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's completely arbitrary and ridiculous. And I hate it. It's not evidence-based in any way, shape or form. So when they um, ask me, I won't give them a number. I hate They're it. like, what's your number? And I'm like, I don't have a number. I'm going to tell you how my pain impacts my daily life. Yes. That's what's important. That's yeah. what I'm is how is it impacting? What is it limiting? What makes it worse? What makes it better? Like those are important questions. Yes. The stupid like one to 10, because it's not like if I tell you I'm an eight, you're going to do anything about it. Right. So, why are we so my eight is different. My eight, you would die at my eight. Yep. Like I, if I'm saying it's an eight, it's really bad. And if you felt this, you would be like in a hospital. I like, because we've, we've become so desensitized to our own pains and aches and illnesses. If I, if I flipped out screaming, crying on the floor, every time I was in high pain, yeah. I would not function. It wouldn't be possible, but right. I think that it took, I think part of what contributed to my diagnosis was that I, people did not believe I'd say, yeah, I'm about a seven or an eight right now. And I'd be just sitting there talking and they wouldn't believe me. And I'm like, you don't understand the internal experience. And right. Like, if you want me to throw myself on the floor, like, yeah, I can. Eight. It's Fine. like, but it's, I don't, you but, experience it daily. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's your I mean, normal. 
what you have to go through. And so it's, it's really challenging, but, you know, I did, I did meet with this specialist a couple months ago. Um, you know, he, I check all the boxes essentially, um, you know, he made some recommendations and it's not like there's some magic pill or a cure or anything. Um, but that is when I, I guess I officially got the hypermobile EDS diagnosis. Um, you know, so they, and, they, and they it's were saying, not, it's not an easy thing to diagnose because there's no genetic test for it. There's correct. no, there's no, um, going off really the criteria test for it. It's yeah. It's an elimination disease. Yes. Yeah. Trying to but eliminate by the way, like even lupus, possible. even lupus has a test for it, but you don't always test positive for it. Right. Like it's only, a yeah, you can't percentage. go by just blood work. They have something that's, that can pop up with autoimmune antibodies, but you have to have symptoms too. It's yeah. both. Yeah. So it's, you know, some people are, it's when they have certain types of EDS and I wouldn't wish it on them anyway, because those tend to be more severe forms. They can test with genetic, mm-hmm. genetic testing but, markers for, for yeah. the other, other types, but they, but I wouldn't wish those types on anybody mm-hmm. because a lot of them are very severe and, and, and can be deadly. So yeah, some of the, like, those out is really vascular. nice. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's definitely a concern that I have, you know, my heart has never been checked out. Um, well, and as someone, checked. I know, well, I'm going to tell you to make an appointment with a cardiologist. <laughs> I, so I did finally, well, right. I had to get the referral from the PCP, and the yes. blah, 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 you know, and it's a whole thing. Um, cause I do have high blood pressure, but they've always chalked it up to my pain. Right. Um, but event, but then event now, you know, it's a whole thing. So, um, this isn't just in Phoenix. I know this is in other places too. There is yeah. such a shortage of texts and available spots. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's a month wait for an echo? Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I, I got very lucky with my doctors. Um, my, my cardiologist has the echo machine in their office. So anyone there can perform. They, they have, they, they seem to remain staffed really well. So I get very lucky that I have, I have all my echo scheduled like and it's, it's great. Um, which is also why I love my cardiologist very much. And he's the one doctor who spends, I think the most time with me. Uh, but yeah, it's important, but it's hard. You don't know what you don't know too. Exactly. And all this, like, well, you don't, you don't, you, you have benign joint hypermobility. How do you know it's EDS if there isn't a gene for it? And, and I'm like, okay, but then point me, like I went to I went to so many people before I went to this guy because, because of the, the pay situation, um, you know, and, and, but nobody else would take that time. Nobody else would sit down and look at all of the pieces together. I think that's the one benefit of, of social media now is that you can join groups, mm-hmm. watch other people go through it and learn from them. But also in the groups, I'm part of an EDS group that's local. And a lot of times when we feel something or need something, we'll be like, can you guys recommend someone who actually understands EDS and I can go to them um, and we get referred. That's how I found my current rheumatologist because she was recommended by all these other people in the group. And she was great. She's great. You know, I, yeah, it's, there's such a range of people's understanding in the medical profession. I mean, I met, um, so I had my rheumatologist the other day and she had her like resident or, you know, junior person with them. And I was telling him about what it is to be hypermobile in the Ehlers-Danlos. And, and he was like, well, the only thing I know is like the, the thumb to wrist thing. And I'm like, oh, that's the one I can't do, but look right. at the elbows, look at, you know, <laughs> like there's other ways. But and Nicole, know- you've said how much training they get, right. They get like a two hour oh, okay. training on 
Yeah. On, on different diseases. It yeah. depends. I mean, you go through a, a, what, like a course on, you know, your, one of your classes gives you an overview on immune diseases, you know, so you're lucky if you get a week, you know, sometimes because you're going over the entire system. So you're not getting very much. That's why doctors specialize and go through fellowships because that's where you learn when you come out of medical school and you specialize. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things we need to realize is patients is that's why it's important to find a doctor that is listening to you and is curious. The curiosity is usually a doctor who's going to help you the most because now you've made them curious and they want to learn and they want to find out. Um, and yeah, but they don't get a huge amount of training on these chronic illnesses. They just don't. And they don't like to say a percentage of the population. Mm -hmm. A lot of doctors don't like to say, I don't know. You're so right. They don't want to say they don't. Yep. They rather it's say a pride thing sometimes. Or it's you or, mm-hmm. yeah. or I got eventually, you know, when I would bring up Ehlers-Danlos, I got a couple, a couple of people who were like, I don't treat that. Yes. I it's like, well then tell me who does. Was like, you know. I, you know, but she was really nice about it. She's like, it's not my specialty. I don't know that much about it. I think that's what you have. Here's other doctors that can help with this diagnosis. And she, I I want to put a crown on her head and say, you know, she may not have been able to treat me, but she knew what to do to get me treatment that she thought I needed. Right. And I appreciate that more than all the doctors who were gaslighting me about my symptoms. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. It's, it's the diagnosis process is incredibly frustrating. It's why I encourage people to take a lot of notes when they go evaluate their doctors, um, you know, know when it's time to switch a doctor up, uh, it, and it, it's just hard because even once you get the diagnosis, then treatment becomes a whole other ball of wax. It's like getting the, you feel that almost relief when you get the diagnosis, but then you're like, oh my gosh, no one knows what to do with this. Well, and there's also some considerations and there might be some cases where it would be in someone's best interest to not have yes. ADS on their record. I mean, I'm impossible to get life insurance. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I can't you know, get it. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of things. I mean, thank goodness. I mean, I don't, I hate to get political, but you know, the Affordable Care Act is the only reason I'm still alive. Yes. Um, point mm-hmm. blank. Very point true. Blank. Um, you know, but I mean, who knows? <laughs> where our country's going. Um, so luckily my, my partner is a citizen of the UK and the EU and the US. He's, he's got a variety of passports. Um, so that's sort of our out, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that's our backup plan because at some point, you know, if we, we don't know have access or, yeah. you know, if they can reinstitute not just pre pre-existing conditions, but like caps on coverage. Oh God, can you imagine? We would be screwed. One of my surgeries would have exceeded you know, my spine surgery between the, the physical therapy that I was in, in the hospital in a, in a, in, in a room for a week because of complications. Oh I mean, it was almost a million dollars. when Yeah. You had it up. Oh yeah. One surgery. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It gets Definitely. very pricey, you know? So I, I know that's a larger conversation, but, um, just, no, but just it is a consideration. Them. There are many people who don't get treatment because they cannot afford it. And it's true. It worse and worse. And for some people, you know, if they had treated it, then it would have been fine, but the insurance company won't start paying for it till they get to that extreme point where it's like, you guys could have prevented that million dollar hospital bill. If you had paid $2,000 three years ago, 
but the insurance company just isn't. Oh, I said that all the time. I'm like, but you know what? The, the cure is in prevention. They always say with, you know, a lot of different things, but there are so many preventative things that are not paid for. And that is the problem. People have to get deathly ill. Then it's like, well, why didn't you come to the doctor before? Really? Yeah. It's, it's getting the care is, is, it's extremely frustrating and there are things out there that could help people, but they're considered experimental. Um, and yeah, so, I did a bunch of that pain out of pocket prolotherapy awesome. <laughs> has been, you know, hit or miss. Um, you know, I've, I've just been trying to try anything possible. Yeah. My um, sleep doctor actually recommended a drug to help me possibly lose some weight. Um, because we were talking about how my joints are hurting and all this stuff. I don't get lectured about my weight a lot by my doctors because when I first started this, I was 40 pounds lighter and they have seen the progression in my charts. So I'm the one who ends up bringing up my weight because of the joint pain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, like, this is the first doctor that said, well, we could look at this. You could talk to someone about using this drug. He doesn't prescribe it because he's a sleep doctor. He's that's like out of his wheelhouse. Um, but he said they really only give it to people. They only insurance will only pay for it. If you have type two diabetes. Yep. Yep. When you told me what it was, I was like, they're not going to cover that. They're not going to cover it. So I have to look at if my doctor, one of my doctors is willing to prescribe it. Do I just pay for it out of pocket and check good RX too? Cause a lot of the times if yeah. you don't put it under your insurance, you'll get that price. And it literally is like 75% less. Yes. Yes. You have to explore all of those. Yeah. Don't run it through drugs. insurance. Thank you, Mark Cuban. Mm -hmm. I just want to hug him every time I see him. Cause I'm like, you are saving people's lives. Absolutely. Um, good RX, all of those places are great, great resources. Actually, Nicole, we need to, we should put some of those resources on our website. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'll try to work on that this weekend. Um, so okay. uh, we are just about out of time. Yes. I could talk about this stuff forever. Oh gosh. Yes. I want to thank Nikki for coming on our show and talking thank about you this. so Nikki, much. You're Nikki. welcome to come back anytime. Yes, please do. Um, we want to know more about your journey. We want to know how things are progressing with you. Be supportive of you. Um, Nikki, what are, do you want me to encourage people to follow you on TikTok? Follow her. Yeah, on TikTok? I don't have, it's basically a lot of my pug and my bulldog and then me complaining about being. Yes, but I love pugs and I love pugs. <laughs> Nicole <laughs> loves bulldogs. We're great. Yeah. So oh I'm uh, uh, Nikki and I K K I F as in Frank six one zero. Perfect. Awesome. I'll be following uh, you too, Nikki. <laughs> it's very, it's yeah. very original. It's my name. Uh, and then my birthday. There so. you go. Awesome. <laughs> um, but follow her on TikTok. She, you know, I know you say you complain, but I think what the stuff you're going through are things we are all going through yeah. and it fosters that community. And, you know, I just really want to thank you for being on the show. Come back anytime. Yes. We appreciate you and we appreciate everybody who's listening and following us. Again, we are on TikTok too with the Chronic Spoonful. We are also on Facebook, Instagram. Oh, I don't know. Everywhere. That, and on our website. So, uh, thank you everybody and have a great week. Have a great week, you guys. <laughs>